Go ahead. Three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Stoned Apes Podcast. And it is your reverend here, joined today by the captain. How you doing, sir? Wonderful. Living dreams. One day at a time, my friend. Well, we have a really special guest today. We have Monica Adams. How are you doing, ma'am? I am great. Good to see you. And you're Both. joined by your mother. Yes, this is Jacqueline. Hello. 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 How are you? I'm fine. Super right. fine. That's well, good. Super fine is a good thing. <laughs> she, I'm like, can I say it? I always love to do this. You have to now. She's 85 years old. Good for you. Wow. And that's amazing. Look, if, exactly. Does not look like that at all. At all. I wish you all could see, but it's like, yeah, I mean, people have followed me for years and they said, she could pass as your older sister. <laughs> well, I could only hope that older, when, older. when I am 85 years old, that I am as fit as you. <laughs> okay. You move around excellent. It's good genetics. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. So my first question for you, Monica, is the real Monica Adams. Yes. As opposed to the I, fake, is is there other Monica Adams out there? Like, what's the inspiration there behind were, this? There, there is, evidently, and that's where it came. Well, first of all, let's go back, and this is why I brought her. So we, I've been in broadcast television radio for 30 years, and I remember growing up and her always saying, oh, I'm so proud of whatever you want to do. But please remember that no matter how big you get, if you get to be Oprah's status, never get too big for your britches. Absolutely. And I said, I never would, Mom, because you raised me right. You're very real, very authentic. So it was always people would meet my husband, meet my mom, meet my friends, and they would always go, oh, she's so real. And she, that would always make her smile, right? Well, fast forward to me talking about moving away from television and starting my own show. And we were getting ready to put the website together. And I knew that years ago I had looked into MonicaAdams.com. Yeah. And I think it's a photographer. So there is another Monica Adams. So as a photographer, I was like, well, if I ever wanted to do a website, I can't do it with just MonicaAdams.com. So we were thinking about it. I have friends weigh in and they're like, well, how about the Monica Adams? I was going to say and, that. But see, I think that sounds elitist. And I just, I don't know. I can't. There can thinking, only be one. The, the, you know, the. I do call myself the reverend. I know. <laughs> the captain. <laughs> we could have. And actually, we almost did. But then it came back and someone's like, well, how about, you know, like Mr. Bobby Bones? And they said, how about Miss Monica Adams? And I said, but I'm not. I'm married. Oh, my, yes. my married name is Quentin. My maiden name is Adams. But that's been my broadcast name forever. So I said, okay. We went through a bunch of things. We get on to GoDaddy and we go to the Monica Adams to see if it's taken. And I'll be, it's taken. And I said, what? No way. And so I go, and I, I hit my fist down on the table, and I go, I'm the real Monica Adams. The real and Monica Adams, And we all look at each other, is. and, and see, I has got to chill again. Got, and yeah. everyone goes, oh, that's it. That's what you have to do. So that's how it came apart. Good and for the you. best yes. ideas are born. Exactly. That's awesome. So for our viewing audience, you mentioned a little bit briefly, but why don't you give us a background on yourself, who you are, mm -hmm. and you know what you've done in your career, and what's brought you to the table today? Well, I got into radio down in Festus, and it used to be KJCF, now it's KJFF. I did about two and a half years there, so very similar for those people who don't know that station, very similar to Camo X on a very small market, and that's where you start. I always say I was blessed that I didn't have to leave my area, so that was, you know, well, we grew up in Florissant, Missouri, so it was about an hour, you know, from there, just outside of the St. Louis area. And then from there, I did that for two and a half years. I really got my feet wet and, and learned everything. I was always very big in what does it take to put this product on by yeah. every department. So I wanted to know marketing. I wanted to know promotions. I wanted to know sports. I wanted to know news. We did it all, and I felt very blessed to have that kind of experience. Then I hosted a country radio show in DeSoto for a year, which it was interesting because I was not going to come back down into the area 
But as I'm a very faith-based person, and as God drove me, it became, ah, so that's why this happened and this happened and this happened. So if I hadn't taken that job in DeSoto, I would have never had my job at WIL for seven years. I was a morning show host for WIL. And I had run into Bo Matthews, who I love and was a phenomenal afternoon host on WIL for years. He had run into me at, like, some remote that he did at a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> and I was just trying to pick his brain, and I was like, gosh, I, lo- I loved WIL at the time, and I loved Y98. That was going to be my dream to work at one of those stations. And he said that there was something about my energy that he just really grabbed onto. And I, I, you know, I got his information and I said, I just would love to follow you. And if there's anything that you ever hear, well, he lost my number from what I, from what I heard. And so he is with someone and they're talking about an afternoon job or, or a part-time job. That's what it was that was available at the station. And he's like, gosh, I met this girl one time. I wish I knew how to get a hold of her. And he's talking to this girl and she goes, Oh, what's her, what's her name? And he's like, well, it doesn't matter. You're not going to know her. And she goes, well, just what's her name? And he says, Monica Adams. And she goes, you're kidding me. (laughs) And he's like, why? And she goes, I hate to even tell you this because you're going to take her. She's our morning show host. (laughs) And that's how it happened. And he goes, oh, my God, you got to get a hold of her immediately. I am going to take her away. And sure enough, he takes and introduces me. And then the rest is history. I was at WIL for seven years and loved it. Just absolutely loved doing mornings for them. Well, props to her for not holding you back. Right. Because right. <laughs> she could have been like, I don't, I don't know who you're absolutely. talking Absolutely. I don't know who that is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I always, she always says, you remember, I launched your don't career. Don't forget me. <laughs> yeah. Tammy Gilmore, I will every, forever remember that. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was 97 to 2005. And then I did simultaneous. I did KMOX for eight years. I did a health and fitness show, as well as working at uh, the Fox Fox 2 for 15 years. And then I went uh, to KSDK and worked there and anchored news for three years and then just was done with the negativity. It's just really everywhere I went, people, even when I was still there, people would say, oh, my gosh, I used to love watching you. And I said, but I'm still there. Oh, yeah, we don't watch news. Mm-mm. And I thought after hearing that and hearing that and hearing that, well, why am I waking up at 1.30 in the morning to go on to deliver things that are very different than who I am as a human being? It was the antithesis of who I am. It was deliver the negative news, put it out there, and I just never felt like we were doing anything about it. It's just throw it out there, really dishearten people by the way they're waking up in the morning, and then move on. And I, it, I couldn't do it. I mean, I'll be honest. I have a no negativity policy in my household, yep. and we don't watch the news at all except really? for the Sunday morning. No, I agree. It, I, it's I quit watching the news years ago see? for the same reason. <laughs> it's you know, you just you can't let that stuff in your brain. No. And you know, many years ago when I was an undergraduate, I was in a public speaking class, and uh, they had us do different types of studies. And and one of the studies that I ended up doing was uh, what media influence has on your mind. Mm-hmm. And so I did a a short term study just during a semester. But what I would do is I would change what I would play on my way to work from the radio. So, you know, some days I would listen to music. Some days I would listen to nothing. Some days I would listen to talk radio or whatever the case may be. And then I would just kind of monitor what were my natural thought patterns during that time, you know, when I was at work. And I realized real quickly that it had a huge influence on just what thoughts were popping into my mind. And that was about the time frame I realized you have to be very careful with the type of media that you allow yourself to to have access to, and then it pushes you away from that. And then, like you said, you know, modern news is so negative. Well, the problem is it's not news anymore, or I should say it's not journalism. So anybody who actually came from a journalistic background and you had the journalistic creed, you see what's happening in the field now. And now it's literally throw anybody in front of a camera or behind a mic and 
they're saying things that are not even in the English language, and it makes you cringe, and you're like, that's not a word. It's mm -hmm. not an actual word. That's the slang you say to each other when you're just hanging with your friends. And I would sit there and say, you, we can't go on the air like that. But all of a sudden, it seems like the standards were just thrown away. Well, it's all about attention and shock value now. Yes. Yep. And that's the sad part. It's all clickbait. So whatever we can yes. do to get somebody to listen, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that's one of the reasons why podcasts are becoming so popular is because they're long form. Right. You know, you get these people in there and you say, well, I'm going to interview, for example, like Boone Cutler, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You get Boone on here. It's like, what is Boone going to say in 45 seconds? Right. You know, to really get in depth to understand what his mission is, what his message is, you need a long form platform where you can have a conversation. Yes. And modern news just doesn't allow for that. No, and that's actually, I mean, if we look over all the years of when I was in news, it was always to the point of, gosh, I just wish we had more time. I wish they would give us more than a minute 15 or a minute and a half. Sometimes it would push it to two minutes in order to, you know, put a package together that would be impactful. But I knew I wanted more and more and more, which is why I loved the, the time. Time I did on Camo X, I had two hours to split up into. I usually did sometimes eight, but usually for sure four different interviews in half hour segments. And now that's why I love what you do, what I do. You can continue to go on and go very in depth. I had Boone on the show for 20 minutes. That wasn't long enough. I mean, oh, not even you close. can't, you're what just a, scratching the surface. What a very unique individual. It's incredible. Phenomenal. Yes. Like, I can't wait to have him on again. Oh, yeah. It was impactful. I'll, you know what was most impactful for me is, you know, so I pick him up from the hotel and I drive him here. And, you know, he says not too much to me on the way here. He's a busy man, so he's constantly in his phone doing his stuff. And and then when the mics kicked on, just watching him flip that switch, Dude. I was like, the professionalism was Instant. Wow. Instant. Yeah, it really, it inspired me quite a bit. I was just like, wow. You know, there, there's a whole new level here. And, and the way yes. he can articulate words and the way he can get his message across, I thought that was fantastic. So Yeah, the stories that that man has to tell and the impact that he is having now. We talked about fifth generation warfare, sixth generation warfare, and where are we going? And, you know, he, obviously he talked with you about the polarization of America and beyond and what we are doing to each other the mind games that we play with each other and with ourselves. And that's what we're talking about with regards to the news. It is pushing an agenda. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on the network that you're listening to and watching as to what they want to push. And that's not journalism. That's You should never be putting your opinions in. Mic drop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you move out from television and you leave the news and you decide to start your own podcast. Mm -hmm. Why? What was the inspiration behind that? You ready to get chills? Let's oh, I'm it. ready. Let's do it. That's what we live for. So in July of last year, I was in Cabo San Lucas. So we go to Cabo about every other year. And this time we didn't stay at the timeshare that, that I had bought years back. We stayed at a friend's. And so we're there and alcohol may have been involved in her turning her ankle. She jumped <laughs> off a water taxi. And it's still, you know, you, you go on these vacations. I mean, still, even if you don't have any alcohol and you try to time it perfectly because they're like, okay, get ready and get off. You guys have done it before, have 100%. you? 100%. So you don't have to yeah. have any alcohol yes. in you. It's dangerous. Yes. So she does go to get off and rolls her ankle. And so she's kind of limping a bit. And my husband's like, oh, tell her to suck it off. <laughs> <laughs> and so eventually I look and I go, no, I think there's like a ball on her ankle. I really think she hurt herself. So I wake up the next morning, go over, I'm getting ready to blend up my shake to go work out. And I see a note that says, hey, I'm not going to be able to join you. My ankle's really jacked up. And so I was like, okay. And so he wakes up, my husband wakes up and he said, 
oh my gosh, I feel really bad. He's like, you're going to go work out by yourself. And I said, are you kidding? So I'm also a personal trainer. I have been for 25 years. My favorite workouts are when I don't have to wear the hat and teach anybody. So me working out by myself is a dream. So I said, no, 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 I'm good. And because he, he was going to play golf. So I go over and I'm working out. And all of a sudden, about 45 minutes in my workout, I hear, hey, Monica. And I look around and there's two girls there, but it was a guy's voice, very audible. And I think it's him surprising me. And I'm like, no, that's my dad's voice. I haven't heard that in 28 years. And so I look, oh, I got chill again. I look around and I'm thinking, there's two women in here and me, no guys in here. That was my dad. And so all of a sudden I'll just kind of get a chill and get a little teary eyed. And I'm like, Huh, well, dad always shows up in Cabo normally to have a drink with us. <laughs> that wasn't, but I could feel this was different. And so I look up and like to glance up to heaven and I kind of smile and I'm like, hey, dad, guess you're just saying hi. Interesting. But never have heard it. It's always like he'll show up. I can feel his presence and everyone's like, oh, Mr. Adams here. Let's have a drink. It's time to have a drink with Mr. Adams. And I said, this time was different. So I drive back to the place where we're staying. Don't say anything to anybody. And then the next day, same thing happens. She can't go work out with me. He's going to play golf. I'm in there. I have the hardest workout I've ever put myself through in my life. And I mean this. And I have a lot of people say, oh, come on, you do some crazy workouts. This was it, though, to the point that my heart rate was flying and I'm, I'm just out of breath. And I go to take my earbud out and this song plays that he used to play for me when I was a little girl. And I dropped to my knees of, oh, come on, Dad, like what's going on? Sure enough, same two girls are in there. And I look around. Now I'm trying to find the message. I'm looking at the TVs, looking at any kind of inspirational things. And I was like, what is he trying to tell me? So this girl comes walking over to me and she looks at me and she goes, are you okay? And I said, yeah, 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 I'm fine. And she's like, you sure? Because you look like you just saw a ghost. And I was like, mm, yeah, can't talk right now. Like I could tell I was just going to lose it if I said it. And she's like, and by the way, you look like that yesterday. Because it was the same girl that was in there. And I said, yeah, I can't talk. And she goes, well, he's here. That's all she says. And I'm, ooh, and I'm about ready to lose it. And I go, yeah. And then I do kind of start crying. And then I leave. Still don't say anything to him. Third day, we're, we're together. All of a sudden, he puts his fist down on the table and he goes, yeah, Mr. Adams. And I said, why'd you just say that? And he goes, I don't know, kind of an out-of-body experience. And I said, he goes, oh, don't you always say your dad shows up on vacation to have a drink? This must be it. And I said, yeah, but why you? I always tell you when he's here. And he goes, oh, well, he must be here. And I said, yeah, but he never met my dad. My dad died in 1995, and Jim and I dated in 2001. And I was like, okay, yep, this does feel like the day, like, let's have a drink with dad. And so we don't say anything to my friend, and we go to the final day, and we go into this restaurant. Now, there's a group of people all put together, tables, 10 people, round table, 10 people. They keep walking us in, walking us in, and they walk us into this beautiful wine cellar. Now, I love, a, I love good wine and the education of wine and all of it. So do two other people that we're there with. So they take us into this beautiful wine cellar room. And I'm looking around like, how the heck did we get in here? Because everybody else has big groups. They're not in this room. So I think it's my friend's husband and and or this former St. Louis Blues player that's there with us. Okay, they probably make the reservations. Come to find out neither of them did. And so I'm like looking up going, "Well, my dad made some reservations from heaven." <laughs> I like him. So, so exactly, right? So we're sitting there and all of a sudden I take a deep inhale and I go, "Oh, that smell. You got to be kidding me." And so my husband looks at me and he's like, "Yep, you're right." And he looks over in the corner and there's a bouquet of lilies that my father used to give me. And so to completely not lose it, I just say, but they're white. 
And he's like, give him a break. He's trying to send flowers down from heaven. And I said, seriously, we can't, I'm going to lose it. Like, you don't understand. And so my friend goes, what's going on? Because I remember I haven't said anything to her. Just him and just a little bit. So he's like, well, you might not want to look over your shoulder then. So who would have sat in that room in that very spot that I would have sat in that chair to have a bouquet of flowers right over my shoulder? Only two in the entire restaurant, exactly where we are. And now I'm like, I got to go. I've got to go to the bathroom. So I walk into the bathroom. Those are white and pink. Okay, not exactly the flower that he gave me until I walk to the bathroom. And all over the bathroom are stargazer lilies. Now I'm crying. This is the first time all week I really cry. I come back, my eyes are all puffy, and he's like, are you okay? And I go, everywhere. Like, that's all I can say is everywhere. And I said, but I don't understand. It's like, it's so upsetting to me. Although it's a beautiful experience, it's so upsetting because I don't understand what the message is. And it's never happened like this since he's been gone, 28 years. 20, well, 27 years at the time. And so we wrap up, and I'm like, he goes, what's wrong? And I said, I don't understand. Like, I don't know what the message is. And he's like, it's okay. I guess he's just saying hi. I'm like, nope, it's something bigger. And I could feel it. So we leave. We're on the plane. I'm very, very quiet. I don't really say much. We get home, go to bed, and then I wake up. And I say, oh, my God, I know what it is. And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, I know what it is. He just came to me. So he very, very powerfully comes to me and says, darling, I need you to be ready like you've never been ready in your life. And I... And he's like, well, what does that mean? I go, I don't know, but I'm You'll find out. lit up. And from that point on, guys, I've never stopped smiling. He, however, my husband, goes into a different pathway because here's what happens. A month later, I'm working for this doctor for the last four years. We were, uh, I, was, I was training for his seniors, and then he ended the program. So there's some of my salary goes away. And then I'm offered, and this is where my Know Your Value thing came from, yes. I'm offered a three-year contract to continue where I was, and it was a gut punch. It was, it was, well, my husband said it was, what was the word? Well, yeah, slap in the face, or he was just like, that's appalling. I would rip that up. And I said, well, I'm not going to go back and be rude. I was raised with class, but I am not going to accept it. I knew right away. I was wearing five hats at the time, and I knew other people that were getting larger raises and phoning it in. And I'm like, nope, there's no way. Because what would that tell myself or tell anybody who follows me if I had accepted something like that? Can't roll over. No. So I went back and I countered with what two agents that I was considering hiring had told me to counter with. So it wasn't like I was coming up with just some number and just pulling it out of anywhere. I countered and they were like, oh, we're pretty far apart. And I said, we are because, you know, that's way too low. And she kind of did the head shake you just did. Mm -hmm. But then stopped herself realizing, I just shook my head and I probably should be shaking my head in front of her. And then they said, well, we'll come back. And now it's in our court. And I said, sure enough. And then I got a text message, or sorry, an email the day I was wrapping up editing a bunch of stuff and thought, okay, great. Here's their counter. And instead it was that they weren't going to continue negotiating. Wow. But she sent it an email, which I thought was very classless. And I smiled, guys. I smiled because at that very moment, I free. thought, this is what he's talking about. Yep. And I came home. And I tell my husband, and now he freaks out, though, because now he's seeing the biggest part of my salary and another supplemental part of my salary. And he looks at me and he's like, how can you keep smiling? I said, because he said, I need you to be ready like you've never been ready in your life. And he's like, well, you don't even know what that means. And I said, I don't, but I'm excited to find out what it is. So I knew that God and my father would guide me. And all of a sudden it started playing out in my mind. I had branded Monica's Motivational Moments at Channel 5 for two years during the pandemic. 
And I had so many people say, you saved me. You saved me during the pandemic. And it just made me cry. It gave me chills on a regular basis when I would be stopped and told that. And I thought, wow, just these simple fitness videos I would do, motivational, inspirational videos. And it started to come to me of something I had started with my clients five years ago, this whole triangle of life that you're never going to get to where you belong if you don't balance the mind, the spirit, and, and the physical body. And so I thought, I don't need Channel 5, Channel 2, but thankfully, everything that they gave me the opportunity to do all the way up to that point allowed my following. I will forever thank 5, 2, WIL, KMOX, KJCF, and KDHR. I will always thank them because they taught me the tools mm -hmm. to be able to do it on my own and to do it the way I knew I wanted to do it and do it powerfully. And so I... I start putting it all together. I launch the website. I start putting the idea together of doing a show, starting with a phone at my house, and that's where the following came. And when I started putting out there the importance of mental health and saying it's okay not to be okay, people came out in droves. And we doubled my following from the moment I left January 2nd to now, and it made me realize that's what the world wants. Absolutely. That's a So it's been a story. beautiful, yes. It's, and he continues to guide me. He has shown up every day from middle of July of last year, and he's never not been here. Every day I feel him. And it's, it's eerie sometimes, but it's really beautiful. Yeah, but talk about him. a confidence booster, too, knowing that you have that backing. Yes. Spiritual yes. or whatever being you want to classify it as, he's there. Yes. I mean, that's an armor around you. And there's a lot of people that may not agree they're like oh that's they don't have to uh, correct yeah. i don't and it, it's such a beautiful place to be to say i don't care yep. if you right. believe it or not i know i know I, I wouldn't be where i am right now if he hadn't got i mean where did it come from why did he say i need you to be ready why did he, he audibly hey monica i mean i heard it all so where else what else can you chalk it up to there were two women and me not a guy they didn't say anything. So I, I know. And then I know that he continues to guide me. And, you know, I had a blood clot. That's another big story. When I was 19 years old, and I am a walking miracle. I mean, this woman here, and I'll let, I'll let you talk, Mom, because I think it's a big, it's a huge part of my story. It is really the foundation of who I am as a human being. So I will do life coaching with my clients, and I will ask the question, and I would ask the two of you. I, I love to ask this question because most people are like, "Woo, that's a big one." Like, what's your purpose? Oh, my See? purpose is to help others. Mm. Yeah. Amen. So most people, Reverend, can't ever answer that. That's story. a deep, deep hole. But yeah. I always want people to chip away at it. Well, we all it, have a purpose. It goes in line with like what you were talking about earlier. In, in fact, you know, we talk about universe and things just dropping in. Mm -hmm. uh, this morning, I just listened to a video from Mind Valley, mm -hmm. and it was talking about, you know, the fact that they don't teach you how to make money in school, right? And we all oh, believe yeah. that money is evil, and that all this, the pursuit of money is evil, and where this is what we live with this narrative. And then it started talking about know your value, and it started going into that. But the one thing that I took from the video that I loved is your value is. What are your skills, attributes, and abilities that are best suited to help others? Mm -hmm. Because when you start helping others, when you start to use your natural talents for the purpose of helping others, you will find your value. Absolutely. And then when you find your value, the money will follow. Oh, and I thought, what a beautiful message that is, mm -hmm. because it's not always just money first. Mm -hmm. It's it shouldn't be. what can I do to help others? What can I do to go out there and put the message out and make the world a little bit of a better place? And that was the first thing I was thinking of when you were telling your story. And I thought, well, because that's exactly what you're doing. You're, you're you know, all the way down to the be kind. It's, it's everything that I have 
from meeting you at the Triangular Compass event to researching you for the podcast, everything that I see you put out is so much positivity. And it's all about helping people find their way to find their path, you know, whether it be mental health improvement, physical improvement, mm -hmm. you know, and that is your value. It is. And I, you know, I do this Thursday night class that we do. Well, we started it during the pandemic because we had to via Zoom. And then it just grew to people. I have people from Hawaii and California, Colorado that have Zoomed in with us. I love that. I want to reach the masses. But I just had a class this past week. And I said, when you walk into a room, when you're going to a party, when you are going to an event, I don't care wherever you're going. Do you walk into that room and think, what am I going to get from everybody else? Or do you walk in the room and say, what can I give? Right. What can I leave you? With. That's how I want to live my life. Not what can you provide me and what can you give me? That's a very egotistical mindset, the ego of the mind. Oh, I'll tell you what, though. I was guilty of that up until well, we a few all... years ago. That was my motto. It's, you know, <laughs> every person that I met, it's what could I get from them? How could I use them? I didn't view people in a in a positive way. I've used them as like assets. What does this person have that, that I could use that would be good for me? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I got rid of that. It wasn't until I realized that you get what you give. Yes. And until you start putting out positivity and so you start truly caring about other people, mm -hmm. you're never going to get that in return. Nope. And, you know, and my life reflected that. You know, uh, when I was behaving that way, when I was living my life without regard to other people, mm -hmm. it was a lonely place. Absolutely. And it was a terribly unsuccessful place. And I don't mean that just financially. Mm. I mean that there was no fulfillment. Yeah, I had no relationships. I had no quality in my life at all. And I felt empty. Except for me. <laughs> yeah, well, except for the captain. I'll tell you what. Credos to this man. El Capitan. He, he, uh, he stuck by me through all yeah. the years. And one of the I... things in the last couple of years, you know, I, t I told him, I said, because uh, I've been on a personal transformation for about the last three years. Mm -hmm. And it just keeps getting stronger and stronger. And, you know, it's like a snowball. It mm -hmm. starts accumulating. But uh, about a year and a half ago, I finally asked him, I said, I have no idea what you've seen in me. Like, truthfully, why did you stick around? And he had said the, what he always says. He's like, I've seen the potential. Potential. I was going to say possibility. There are endless possibilities in every person. And I, I see so many wounded souls and people stuck in their growth from trauma and abuse from the past. And that's why I came up with the Triangle of Life. And a beautiful thing for us to meet at a triangular compass. And when I found out that these guys were doing this, I'm like, they go, we're so drawn to you because it's the same kind of mindset. The only difference is the percentages are different. Mm -hmm. That's because they talked to a psychiatrist that talked about how 85% of the mindset always is people trying to take care of their bodies. And then it broke down to the mental and the spiritual side. I do 33 and a third, 33 and a third, 33 and a third. I give them all equal weight. You, however, wake up each morning and might be, you just got in a huge argument with your spouse, okay? Or maybe it's something going on with work. And so you wake up and think, oh my gosh, I have got to get my mind right. And then you think, well, that's kind of tied to my spirit, so maybe spiritual second. But no one has to tell me to get out and work out or go for a walk or do any. So my physicals are going to be at the bottom of that. Every single day I have my clients draw a triangle. And I said, if you do it on a regular basis, watch how your life changes. Just let's form a habit for the next four weeks. Draw triangles. And if you're very organized, you'll draw triangles for seven days. So their whole week is done. Then you're just going to fill it in each day. And watch how the triangle changes around. Go back and date every entry and look 
you can figure out where you were in your mindset, your spirit, or you're overweight and you're not working out. Well, maybe you need to put physical on a regular basis to say, I've, I, it's important for me to work my body. I don't care if it's a walk. You find what you love. As a trainer, I would never force someone to do something if they don't love to do it because all they're going to do is fight and scream and I don't want to do this, but I'm being made to do this. No, you want to do Pilates? Let's do Pilates. You want to go dance? Let's dance. Let's find what you connect with and then your soul connects and then your mind connects. Then you're walking around as a balanced human being. And that is what I've been teaching for five years. And it truly is the way I have seen people change. They can follow the workout I have them do. They can eat the way I want them to eat, but then they're stuck. And then they're like, well, what's wrong? How come it's not working? Well, you tell me. You're stuck in something that we have never addressed. So we probably need to do some life coaching. So when I left in January, I have 10 private life coaching clients right now. My husband's like, okay, when do you get to breathe? <laughs> never. <laughs> no, well, and I know, but you know what? That's where I need to be checked by him, my mom, my friends, where they say, where's your balance? Yep. But I, because of, and let me have her tell the story, because of... My life-changing moment at 19, I think it always drives me to just want to fill and fill and fill. And I'm an Energizer Bunny, just like my mother is, that I just want to fill as much as I can in that 24-hour period, still understanding the importance of rest. But because I know how short life is, and I'm blessed with you know, breath in my lungs every day, if I were, I don't want to, but if I were to go tomorrow, I would be able to say, oh, what a life I lived. And I'm thankful for it. So I, when I was 19, I had the largest blood clot in medical history. You would never know if I didn't tell you. I was told by a doctor that there were two mindsets. One was we have to amputate her legs or slice them to relieve the pressure. And another doctor said, I want to use this particular medicine that was just approved by the FDA. And this, these doctors, from what I understand, got into a huge argument. And one said, you're going to be messing with her. She's a, she's a, a big soccer player. She's just getting, I was studying medicine. I never wanted to go into broadcasting. I wanted to be, a, I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. I love medicine still to this day. So I was studying sports medicine, athletic training and physical therapy. I was at Mizzou and we were just getting ready to play our first game. I had hurt my back and my legs were swollen. And I went to the, the hospital there and they released me in 45 minutes and said that I had a pinched nerve cutting off circulation, which, by the way, is not actually medically possible. <laughs> and they said it three times. And I thought, I have, I got to get out of this hospital. Yeah. Like, I don't belong here. And so my mom came. My boyfriend and my mom at the time came to pick me up, took me back, and I went to a chiropractor. I am a huge proponent of chiropractic care because that man did the smartest thing he could do that day. He did not adjust me because he looked at my legs and said, what did they tell you? And I told him, he's like, well, that's not, I said, medically possible. I know, right? And he's like, no. And he's like, it looks like a blood clot to me. He physically looks at me and says that. And I go, no. They just told me I could go back home to a chiropractor and pretty much return to school on Monday. This was on a Saturday. And then play a game in a week. And I'd be dead, folks. I was like, you should be dead. Uh, I shouldn't. Yeah, that's but, incredible. Or I shouldn't because God decided to save me. And that's how I've always lived my life. So I end up... Um, you remember those old jets you put into a tub, like a hot tub? It was like, oh, yeah. my mom put me in that. They had one. And just to try to relax my back because I had hurt my back. And 20 minutes later, little bell goes off. She comes in to get me and I have a huge lump that now is on the inside of my leg beyond the fact that my legs are swollen. Because without us knowing, I do have a blood clot and it had broken it up in the jet. <clears throat> but she doesn't know that. I don't know that. She screams for my father and they take me to Christian Northeast Hospital because we were up in Florissant. And they admit me, still don't know what the heck's going on. 
And they say we may not ever know for another day, week, month, year. We may never know, but we're going to keep trying to figure it out. And that's what they told me at 6 o'clock the next morning. Well, yeah, the next morning, right? He had said that. And so so he runs out. Sorry, he leaves, and he comes running back in. And she's on the phone with my best friend's father telling him, like, hey, they admitted her and don't know what it is right now. And the doctor comes back in, and what does he say, Mom? He said, She's got the largest or something like blood clot, or we've got to get her into, I don't know if it was like Special surgery, procedures. At a procedure. So it was the getting uro, urokinase. Urokinase was the medicine, yes. What was the medicine? But they do not use it anymore. Yeah, because they said it was so dangerous. But it was a thing that took care of her. And she, what? And so it was watch it, and she was on that medicine, and they just watched it so close. And this year, doctor, even though they say it's the worst thing now, wouldn't want you to have it. It was the thing that did clear it up. And- well, we this this is what our belief is. Yes, I will. I understand now why they don't use it because it does break the clot up. Yeah, but it shoots it. So they would never use it. It's, it was called urokinase. And I think the funny part, she always says, you're, she goes, you're always making us laugh. So the, the bags were $500 a bag. Yeah. I remember the very last day once I'm actually getting ready to leave and there's like half of it left. And they're like, we don't need any more. I'm like, you just threw $250 away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't need any more. But yes, they do not use it because of that reason. It shoots it. Well, yeah, it the fourth day I'm in intensive care, this is the part I want you to tell. Yeah, this is the, they were saying that... Uh, well, it could be that she's going to have to have her legs, you know, slit to let pressure in the blood are amputate. And I'm a religious person, and I have a holy picture of St. Jude. And I come into her, and I put St. Jude on her. And she said, what is that? And I go, well, it's just somebody that's going to help you. And she said, well, what am I in an impossible case? And I go, no, he is just here to help you. But I swear, it was St. Jude that came through and helped her, and we got through this. And she's all... But before she did that, so they had said in the beginning that they were they were wanting to amputate. Yes. That doctor asked for 24 hours. Let me try my way. And what I understand is that one said, you're playing with her life. One said... Well, but she's at the top of her, you know, athletic career. She's she's got all these dreams of what she wants to do, and and he's like, but she not may not even be here if we follow what you want her want want to do. And thankfully, they gave him twenty four hours. Otherwise, yes. I would have been an amputee. My whole life would have been different. That medicine does start to break it up. The fourth yeah. day, though, when she did the St. Jude thing, they had my father and my mother were walked into a room where you are told that your loved one's going to die. You know, or this could happen and she could die, you know. That's what they, well, from what you said. And I'm hearing it on this side of my brain. On this side, I'm going, nuh-uh. St. Jude, you're going to, I know you're going to take care of her and she is not going to die. I know she isn't. So. (laughs) I remember her saying saying, the story of. What's going on? You know, you have a doctor saying something and you're either going to take it as Bible. Yeah. Or you're going to say, I don't believe that. So my dad did stay in the room from what she said and listened to everything the doctor was saying. And she said, not my daughter, not today. Like, is there anything else you need to say? And, you know, from what I understand, my dad was like, well, Jackie, you got to listen. And she's like, Mm -hmm. my daughter's not going to die today. And here I am. Right. So by everything medically, I shouldn't, because on that fourth day, the medicine did shoot up to my heart and lungs. And I 
should have been dead. So when you say shoot, can you? It broke up. The, it so broke the, it, up. the medicine was breaking the clot up, okay. but clots can move. Okay. Yeah. And so it. So the clot was just shooting yeah, it, would a, it would have been a pulmonary embolism. Yes, okay. Correct. Yeah. I'm on. Correct. I'm on. I'm on so page. for those of you medically that would listen to this, the blood clot is in was in my inferior vena cava, which is a vessel that leads off your heart, and it went down, split at my femor, uh, femoral arteries all the way to my feet. It was a massive blood clot. <laughs> Haven't checked, but it was the largest blood clot in medical history. And here I am to say I have nothing that would ever, no scars to show it. Um, It was, but why do you think I came up with the triangle of life? Because it scarred me spiritually and mentally of I can't go back and play soccer. I have to be monitored in St. Louis for two years. I can't go back to Mizzou. I can't go into what I thought I wanted to go into. Okay, well, I'll take all these electives to transfer. And so I was, and I took, I had an extra elective to take. And what do you think it was? No idea. Broadcasting. Broadcasting. Oh. For the heck of it. You led me right to that. <laughs> you could have hit it out of the park. <laughs> I was missed. I was never a baseball player. <laughs> so, yes, it was like, oh, what the heck. I, I was always a big fan of Karen Foss, who was, to me, is the queen of St. Louis news. And, and I thought, oh, you know, it's interesting what they do. I'll take it. I had no reasoning to go into it. But that wasn't my choice. So I was guided to this career. But... All the studies I had done with my sports medicine led me mm-hmm. to my training. And I think it's it's what makes me, from a scientific side, a very good trainer. But it's the heart and soul and the caring side that I think really makes me the trainer I am. Well, I think what I like the most about your particular triangle of life theory is the balance. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, mind, body, spirit, most people think of martial arts. And, and I'm a 20-year oh, uh, martial artist. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've done Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu, and then I did mixed martial arts back in the day. Um, never really did too much like karate or anything. So it's always been kind of fighting sports. But people don't realize how much of that is mind, body, spirit. You know, your body is what learns the techniques and you get out there and you learn to fight and you learn to do the techniques, but that's a very small part of it. Sure. The The other part of that is, is you have to have the mental fortitude mm-hmm. to push through when things aren't going your way. Absolutely. Right. Because that's the first thing that you learn when you start fighting is you always lose. So your first two, three years of, of any type of combat martial art, you're basically just getting beat up the whole time. Fact. And it takes oh, a fact. lot of mental fortitude to yeah. push through that. To get back up again. But back up. then when you realize that, you know, you get a little bit further down that road and it's like, not only do you have that, I, I had a, in, in a situation Ended up being really life-defining for me. And so uh, I was ex-military, and I went to Iraq, and I got out of Iraq, and then I came out. And then, you know, so there's there's several things that are important to understand here is when you're ex-military and you've been to war, Mm -hmm. people assume you're tough. Okay, they assume certain things about you. And then what happens is, is if you don't test that, you really never kind of figure that out. Mm -hmm. And so when you're in the military, they make you do everything. So all of the stuff that I did in the Army, what no matter how cool it may sound, really was because somebody was screaming and yelling at me the whole time, right? right. And so then later down the road, I get into martial arts. And when I first started, I, I it started in karate for like two months. And my college uh, schedule changed. And they said, well, we have kickboxing class. Do you want to go to that? And I thought... I did some boxing level stuff in the army. No, I don't want to go do that because that did not end well for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm only five seven, so it was like <laughs> you know, there there wasn't really a lot of interest that I had, and so I ended up going. But uh, when when I first started that path, that was the first time that I ever put myself through some seriously 
difficult physical and mental trials, but this time on my own. Mm -hmm. Nobody was making me do it. So, like, if you're in the ring and you're fighting and you're getting your butt kicked, Mm -hmm. like, you can say, I'm done. Yes. Right? And so, fast forward that, I'm training at this place in a... I had this guy that I was training with. He was a monster of human, a little bit bigger than your husband, which, by the way, is a monster of human, too. You brought a bouncer with you. you yeah, everywhere I go, I have I a like, bouncer. I was like, you listen to the podcast, obviously. Uh, so I'm I'm down there, and we're doing this drill. It's a jiu-jitsu drill where you're on your back, and you are you don't have gloves on, and you got to just defend yourself. Mm-hmm. And the person on top is wearing gloves, and their job is to basically beat you up. And then you have to use jiu-jitsu to either sweep, get out, or submit. Mm-hmm. And I was terrible at jiu-jitsu at the time, so this massive human was basically just beating me to death. And um, I got about midway through the round, and then I just I, I, I tapped out. I was like, I can't take anymore. I couldn't get out. It was just getting the crap kicked out of me for no reason. <laughs> and the guy didn't stop. And he just kept going and kept going. And then the buzzer went off, and he kept going. Uh- and the worst thing happened is is I got to a spot to where – I actually gave up, but like for real, like I was scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know why he wasn't stopping. I was hurt and I kept getting more and more hurt and I kept getting t- more tired, more tired. And then eventually, you know, you get to this age old, the, this, uh, the thing where people say, well, you know, I'm not a fighter, but if you put me in a corner, I'll fight you until I die. Lies. And it's all lies. Yep. Uh-huh. I, I realized really quickly that that is not the case, that like, if you're going to beat me to death, I'm just going to lay there and I'm going to let you beat me to death. And I gave up. And it, it really broke my spirit. Mm-hmm. I went through the worst depression that I had ever went through, and I walked around for weeks because now all of a sudden, you know, in martial arts, I call it the mirror. The martial arts gets rid of all of the facade, mm-hmm. and it makes you look at yourself in the mirror and then go, who am I really? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, I realized that here I am, Iraq veteran, uh, relatively tough-looking dude, and I'm a quitter. And I had to live with that. Mm-hmm. And it just wrecked my spirit. Mm -hmm. It completely took my spirit from me. And thankfully, a couple of weeks after going through this terrible depression, I I realized I'm I'm staring at myself in the mirror one day, and I realized that if I don't like the reflection, I can just change the image. I don't have to be stuck with this. Mm -hmm. This isn't who I am. This isn't permanent. I just quit once. So like anything, I can train this. And so I went back into the gym. And I grabbed the same guy and I said, we're going to do that drill again. And we did. And he beat the crap out of me. And I quit again. And I did that over and over and over again. And and I don't know how long, looking back, how many times I, I didn't succeed, but it was a lot. A mm-hmm. couple it of months. A couple of months. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would test myself regularly with this drill. And then about the point to where I thought I was going to die, I would usually just tap out. Mm-hmm. And then he would just beat the crap out of me more. And uh, But eventually I got to where I didn't quit. Correct. And then once I did that, that's where you learn that the spirit of the fighter is as important as the mind and the body of the fighter. Yes. And the confidence that that gave me as a fighter, once I realized that win or lose, you're going to have to kill me. Yep. Then you know. Different different playing field. It's now. a different playing field. Mm-hmm. And there's such a strength in that. And that's when I started practicing spirituality. That's when I started practicing strengthening my spirit, not just my body and my mind. Yeah. And so I think that that plays beautifully into what you're teaching people is because you can be intelligent. Mm-hmm. You can be powerful. Mm-hmm. But you also have a spiritual side of you. And for me, I've learned it's being humble. 
Oh, I love that. That's that's one of my favorite. Humble and blessed. Two of my favorite Absolutely. words. Absolutely. 100%. You know, one of the things that I found very powerful about the show that I'm doing is looking at, one, the demographics, two, male-female, the reach we've had. And everyone's—I've had a lot of people recently go, probably more women? And I said, no, men. And it's the silent and then the ones that decide to speak. I have a guy right now that's a veteran. By the way, thank you for your service. He will write to me and say, Monica, you have no idea how much you're healing. So when he first wrote just one sentence, now it's paragraphs that he'll write to me. I wish I was able to be in front of people in a panel to actually get the instantaneous feedback. Instead, it's the writing. And I'm just like, oh, I can't wait to meet you. He actually wants me to come and do a show. He said, I'm close to the JB Bridge. Would you come there? He is... Uh, in a, well, he was in a wheelchair, and then he said, I want veterans to come and be there at that show. Would you come and do a, uh, you know, a segment with us or a, or a live show with us? And I said, I, all day. I would love that. And he said, here's the thing for me. I just absolutely love that you are changing our spirit, changing our minds, letting us know that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay that we came from a point of depression, that we were beat down, that we believed we gave power to someone who told us that we weren't. You know, I know in the military, it's to try to strengthen, you're nobody, you're not going to try to get you to, to come out stronger. But I think sometimes when you take the uniform off, you tell me, when you take the uniform off and all you hear all that noise from before, you go... <clears throat> Was I really not anybody? Am I not who I really think I am? And then it's the trauma, and then you get stuck. And then I wonder, in the military, if it's like my husband's profession as a, as a police officer and firefighters, anybody, first responder, military, that you come back when you don't address the problems and you don't speak about it. And a lot of the guys, and why I said I'm so happy to see that it's 55% men, and then the women fill in the rest, and kids as well that are watching and listening. They said... You are telling us that it's okay for us to start to speak, and it's a scary place for us to be. But when we started doing it and realizing that it wasn't a weakness, but an actual strength, and that it bonded our relationships with our spouses, with our siblings, with our parents, with our children, we suddenly felt empowered. And I said, that's what I want. Now, do you understand why I walked away from what I did? Because I was saved at 19 years old, in my belief, to change the world on a massive scale. I was just building my following. And then it became this. I want men, women, children to speak of the problems that they've, the, the path that they've walked to get to the path that they belong on. Well, you touched on so many things that, and I'm going to circle back to a couple of your points. Please. Because one, you talk about the negative talk in the military. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I have suffered from cyclical depression almost since I left the military. Mm -hmm. And that voice that brains me to depression is a lot of the talk. You know, you're told that you're no good. Mm -hmm. You're a piece yeah. of crap. You're this, you're that. And you start to believe that. Mm -hmm. And then you start to really embody that and kind of go on. It wasn't until later in my life that I started to rewrite that narrative. And then my experience this past weekend is all but kind of just got rid of that for me. But it, it it's, I don't even want to call it an effective method. It's a method for training people to do things like we do in the military. But I think that there are better methods, mm -hmm. right? And one of the things that, that I wanted to touch on there too, because you talked about speaking and we talk about masculine traits, right? And you get into a lot of men, and this past weekend for me really showed that. there, The amount of sharing, the amount of intimate detail. You know, I had an experience uh, where these two guys that were with us, we was in a veterans group and we were at this mental health retreat, right? 
And the two of the guys that were there were just legitimate warfighters. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you could see these guys, you could feel it from across the room. Like I walked by the one guy and I was just like, warrior. Like you knew, you just knew. And uh, we go through the experience and and we're all sharing. And and I I had started becoming afraid. And um, so a, a little bit of background, I, I went south to an ayahuasca retreat mm-hmm. and I did the ayahuasca on Friday, which went great. And then I was really kind of scared to do it again, not because I was scared of the experience, but because I was scared that somehow it was going to like change the experience. Mm-hmm. And I had such a good experience, such a beautiful experience that I didn't want to risk that going another direction. It was like, this is the memory I want for the rest of my life. And I just don't want it any other way. Sure. And then the the second night came through, and uh, I I decided to take a, a smaller dose than I did the first night, and uh, I really started dealing with a little bit of this like FOMO, and and I was beating myself up a little bit, and then one of these guys that I'd mentioned, he uh he we were doing the recant, and he was like, man, you know, after that night, he was like, screw this, I want to get on a plane, I'm going home. He's like, there's no way I'm doing this, and the and this other guy that was with him shared it. He was like, yeah, he was. I I was convinced I wasn't going to do it again, and it was their willingness to be so open, to be so vulnerable, to be sensitive. Cause I look over and it's like, obviously these are tough guys. Like, I don't care how tough I look externally or even as a fighter, mm-hmm. I still sometimes question my internal fortitude. Sure. And I'm like, I know these guys are warriors, you know, special teams like warriors. And I'm like, this guy's like, I'm getting on a plane and I'm leaving. <laughs> and then I went, Oh, I don't feel so bad now. Like, you know, like all of a sudden I'm like, you know, that's, I'm not so ashamed of myself right now because these two bad dudes just said they wanted out too. <laughs> and, <Tap> out. <laughs> but there was there, the sharing that occurred mm-hmm. being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Men don't do that enough. I know. Right. And when I listened and that brings me to my next thing that I wanted to talk about because women do. Mm-hmm. And when I was listening to the podcast that you did with your husband, Mm -hmm. one of the things that he had talked about is how influential you were in his life, having a strong feminine energy. And if ayahuasca teaches you anything, it teaches you a little bit about the divine feminine Mm -hmm. and how nurturing and how amazing that is and the strength that is there, right? Because it can be both a beautiful experience and and just like your mother, it can also be a very firm experience. And, you know, I'm a lot more scared of my mom than I am my dad. So (laughs) aren't we all? Aren't we all? Like, let's just call that for what it is. But that is one thing that I really want for the world and I think we're starting to embrace it is to really start to understand the beauty and the power of feminine energy mm-hmm. and how important that is. And I was just, I was thinking about that when you were telling your story is like, that's what people are getting. You're a very strong woman. You're a powerful woman, but you're also sensitive mm-hmm. and you're vulnerable and you allow yourself to just be out there to, to help people. So it's nurturing mm-hmm. and I no doubt that that's helping people. I, I think that's just absolutely beautiful. When you said it too, it's, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah, a thousand percent. And a lot of guys, our generation, they don't see that. I mean, my dad was a hard ass growing up and it was not okay to, I'm going to say, be a wuss or a wimp or mm-hmm. you, you man up. You, mm-hmm. you bury that and just oh, keep yeah. moving forward. <clears throat> and we did a, uh, not, it was ayahuasca, it was a hape ceremony. It's like a way, the way he explained it was dip your toes in ayahuasca. Cause I was going to go as well, but my work just it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And I had a phenomenal experience. 
and I unburied things from when I was nine years old. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's when I was nine mm -hmm. and I'm experiencing this. What is after that? So I was nine years old when I buried my first thing right. or I was oh. not okay. That whole crap that men don't cry. Yeah. Like, oh, you yeah. know, we I are, bawled my ass out right all, there. <laughs> we are all human. Yes. yes. Right? Sex, short of our sexual genitalia, mm -hmm. the human experience is relatively the same. Yep. I feel fear. I, I, mm -hmm. I feel sadness. Mm -hmm. I feel pain. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is nothing about me being a man that makes it any different as far as my human experience goes than it does my wife or my children, my daughter. I think it's so much strength. And I, although everybody wants to look at the pandemic during that 2020 to 2023 time period of so many horrible negative things, again, we're sitting here saying... I'm trying to find the positivity. There are, is huge darkness. There are people in deep caves trying to look for a pinhole of light. And if you even see a pinhole, there's what? Possibility. Yep. Hope Absolutely. that's out there. So find the pinhole that then becomes a quarter size that suddenly opens up a whole ray of sunshine. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I was, you know, again, that's why I like and I, I love journaling and and putting the date down so you can look back going, Wow, I was going through some really horrible things. And then look at how my life changed. So it was possible. Somebody believed in me at that point. I We have a gym in our basement, and I have a sign when we're training. And it, I will, I mean, there are points, and as you said when you were training, that you're like, there is no way I can do one more of these things. It's impossible. Because why? Because well, it, your mind will give up 100 times before your body ever will. And we, I look at that, I will look up, and I will tap it sometimes of, yes, thank you for the message. I've got it in me. i got to watch my heart. I've got to be careful. I've got to be smart and be your own health advocate. Understand, be trained by someone who knows what they're doing. But yeah, you've got more in you. Push a little bit more. It's a fascinating thing to see where you can take see, it. See, though, I, I don't know if you should, because when I heard your Cabo story, I'm like, this woman just crossed the veil. Like, you may have actually died in the middle of your workout. Like, you know, that's what happened. I think that there might be something to that. You're like, my heart rate. I was like, was it beating? Yeah. <laughs> high score. Barely. It was so high. You win. <laughs> exactly. No, you know, guys, I think I, I'm so glad that you have that both of you, my husband did that day on the show. What I, I get chills on a regular basis, and I've already gotten them here. I don't know if you have, Mom. Yeah. But, I mean, at one point, very freezing cold as you were telling your story. And I thought, yes, see, people listen to this. Because here you are, yes. I remember seeing you on the panel. I'm like, that guy's a badass. I could just tell. And then I thought... I don't know if he's going to connect with me. And isn't it isn't amazing as human beings we go, oh, I wonder. I always get people, don't assume. You never know what someone else is thinking. One of my most powerful things when I do my motivational speaking is, and this more so happens, now we'll flip. Now it happens with women where a woman walks in the room, and they, this is usually where they all laugh. A woman walks in the room, and three or four girls can be sitting together, and they'll look at the woman walking in the room, and they may be thinking, oh, my gosh, she has the cutest hairstyle. Oh, gosh, her eyes are pretty. Oh, she does her makeup really well. Oh, I love her jewelry. Oh, that handbag. Oh, look at those shoes. Wow, she did it head to toe. And the woman walking in the room thinks, oh, my God, I knew I shouldn't have wore this today. Oh, my God, I'm fat. What is wrong? I've got so many wrinkles. Assuming, 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 judging, so they think, and it's not. There's actual kindness on the other side here, but we are assuming in life, and that's what breaks down, and you never get the path to be open to a person that you probably really should be in your life. You were there, and I was like, 
this guy's a badass. And at the end of the panel, you come up to me and we talk. And I was like, isn't this a beautiful thing of someone that I didn't know? Was he going to be receptive to what I did on stage? Was he going to, uh, because I didn't get, uh, you know, you you didn't hear what we talked about before the panel, but interacting with Boone and, and Boone Cutler and Tim Jensen that day, I was for the first time in 30 years, I told my husband that I never in 30 years have done more research than I did for that shoot that day because there were things I was like, this is way out of anything I've ever, ever known. I am so glad you said that mm-hmm. because when I watched you on stage that day and you had your sheets and your notes and you were hitting all that stuff, you know, doing this as a podcast and, you know, essentially journalism a little bit, right? Oh, absolutely. And I was just like, that's what professional is? I was like, oh, man, I'm screwed. <laughs> I got you covered, buddy. <laughs> I was just like, wow, I was so impressed. Thank so, you. yeah, that was intimidating. But uh, It was intimidating for me. I, my manager actually, and she made me cry because she, she called me and my husband later that evening. And I had just left her. I mean, it was a long, long shoot. And I had just left her. And I'm like, you missed me already? I mean, you've been with me for 10 hours today. <laughs> and she goes, I wanted to tell you something. And I want you to put... I want you to put me on speaker. And she said, I've known you for a long time. Uh, you've, I've trained her daughter since she was 14, and she's 26 now. And she said, I've watched you train. I've watched you on television. I've listened to you on radio. I've never been more proud of you than I was today. And I'm like, it was almost, it was almost like my dad was speaking through her. So I started to tear up a little bit, and I go, wow, thank you. And she said, no, and Jim needs to know this. She said, I saw greatness today. And I was like, woof. And it just it took my breath away. And she goes... Monica, she goes, you were thrown into something that's way out of anything that you've been around, and you handled it like a pro, and it meant the world to me. So, Lori, by the way, thank you for that. And all it did was light another fire of go another level, Monica. Never let anything intimidate you. Keep the momentum growing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, and facing your challenges and moving. You know, I want to circle back to something because you just said when you talked about women, and I think that there are, one, I, I think women can be the most accepting people and they can also be some of the most vicious. Mm-hmm. So this goes on both sides of it. But one of the things that I learned, and, and especially, again, uh, the, the the experience that I had this weekend going to the retreat may have been the most life-changing moment I've ever had. I like, I woke up on the third day feeling like a new human, mm-hmm. viewing the world through a different set of eyes. And one of the things that I took from this was loving others the way that you love yourself once you realize that we are all part of the same energy we are all fragments of the source and that we are all connected and that we are all here to share this experience the way that it was designed for us Mm -hmm. it did a couple of things for me one it allowed me to shed the guilt of being me Right. And I think that all of us kind of suffer that to a degree. It's like you feel like that woman, you know, she, oh, I shouldn't have wore this or I shouldn't have wore that. And it's like once you realize that you were designed to be here to serve a purpose, to live this experience, then you don't really have to question those things. Because as long as what you're doing isn't hurting somebody else, I have just as much right to share my experience as he does or as you do. And so I can have that freedom of my own individuality. And then when you tie that to the idea of, you also realize that everybody is a fragment of the source and that we're all intimately connected and that you can love another person the way that you love yourself. Mm -hmm. The the most beautiful thing this weekend was, and again, this was an event full of warriors. This was men and women and some guys that were like, I was intimidated, you know? (laughs) I had even told my wife, I said, after that one guy shared, I said, man, I'm really glad he said that because I don't think I'd want to tangle with that guy, (laughs) you know? And, uh, but... 
it it allows you to just say, you know, one of the things that I've struggled with over the last couple of years is looking at another man and saying, I love you. Mm. And this weekend, it was all love. Like there was a moment, there was a guy, he was uh, he was sick to his stomach and he was throwing up. And uh, I, I just felt compelled. It, the spirit just came over me and I got down on my hands and knees and I just started rubbing his back. <laughs> and, you know, at the end of it, once he was done, I just gave him the most warm embrace. And for me... This is not normal because I wouldn't, this is the way I would have, I would have embraced my wife. Right. This is the way that I would have rubbed her back or my daughter's back or one of my children. Mm -hmm. This is not an embrace that I would have given to another human being outside of my circle mm -hmm. because I've always been kind of standoffish, especially when it comes to showing emotion and mm -hmm. feeling. But the connection that we shared this weekend because of that openness, because of that realness you know, all of the people that were there said the same thing. We formed a bond this weekend that's stronger than the bond that we formed when we went to war with people. And we, I never thought that would be possible. Like the guys that I served with in Iraq, I have a stronger bond now with those gentlemen that I met this weekend because of the authenticity and the realness and the, the love and the compassion and everything that was shared. And it just makes you realize that this human experience can be so much different. And when I come back to the, when we, you know, integration back into this world, right? I look around my neighborhood, me and my wife are sitting outside and we're, we're smoking and we're just looking in the neighborhood. And I said, you know what the saddest thing to me is, is that every single person in this neighborhood could be sharing that same experience if they would just put down the walls, mm -hmm. if they would just drop the facades and put down the walls mm -hmm. and just be themselves. Right. And then everybody else would realize, oh, I'm just human too. Mm -hmm. And then we would just love and accept each other for who we are. We would see each other's struggles and each other's things. And then we would just say, hey, I love you. Isn't it a beautiful place to be led to? It's it's you said you you said it earlier it, and and it organically started to happen. I didn't know how I was going to end my shows. I definitely didn't know I was going to end with a devotional. All these things because I allowed myself to get out of my own way. And I say that a lot on the show of be present, be focused, be a good listener. You miss so many things. I mean, there are so many people that I used to admire in the news business, and I would watch their interviews, and then they would repeat the same question three questions later. I'm like, wow, you're not even listening to the person. And you are missing so much because your whole interview should have changed by what they just gave you. That should have taken it in a different direction, but you're so focused on your you – when people would ask me, can you give me the questions in advance? I said, absolutely not. Because I don't know what you're going to say. I'll give you some bullet points if you're that scared. I get it. I mean, this is what I do for a living. And I understand coming in and you're a little frightened by the microphone, putting the headphones on, or the camera, the lights. But we'll talk for a little bit. And then when, by the time, it's a beautiful thing that by the time people get done, they're like, that was so fun. Oh, my God. That, a half hour went by, an hour went by. And it's like, yeah, I just want you to tell your story. You know your story. It doesn't have to be scripted. And it's all about, yes, getting out of your own way, saying hi to someone who looks different than you, brings a different culture to you. I mean, we really, I was talking about the um, Hispanic Festival, Greater St. Louis, and I, I, I loved it. We went last year, had such an incredible time, and was just, talk to someone that you maybe wouldn't have talked to in the past. Wait to see what's going to happen. On the other end of that, you might be really surprised. They may end up turning into your best friend. It might end up being someone that you start dating. I mean, you don't know, all because you have 
you really shuttered your life into a very narrow path of I'm only going to talk to someone who looks like me, thinks like me. What a boring life. That's boring. <laughs> exactly. It's a boring life. You know, going on the same thing with the, the bullet points, that kills the whole freeform conversation. I don't care about the product. I care about the person. Right. So let's we're not being malicious with what we want to try to figure out or have a conversation about. We want the best of you to come out, mm-hmm. and we're going to do what we can to make that happen. And I think if you make a, a qualified list of this is what we're going to talk about A through Z. That is the most boringest conversation that right. you could possibly think of. No one wants to listen to no, that. No, not at no. all. And I, I wish more people would, would understand that. Um, I love what you just shared, and I hope that many people get a lot of things out of the conversation we have today. But I hope a lot of men hear what you said. Go back to the interview that I had with my husband that day. He was absolutely right. He said there are people that he was involved with in the past. It may have been friends. It may have been people he dated, whoever, that would have never gotten him to talk. I said, I love you so much that I want to take care of your heart, your spirit, your mind. I'll work out with you, the whole balance aspect. But what will damage this relationship is if you don't trust me to be there and have your back. I know that you both, all of you, that have been in the fields that you're in have seen things that we will never understand, mm. but we're here to listen. And that's the most beautiful thing you can do is just sit and listen because sometimes I think you just need to speak and then maybe just be held. And one of the things I've told him is you're in it right now. You're still in it. He says, he'll retire in about a, a year and a half. And I said, but then what? When you're not putting the uniform on, you don't have the habitual aspect of I'm going in, I'm the serving and protecting. And this is what I do. But then all of a sudden it's not. The day that you don't put that uniform on, you're not going through the structure that you're used to, then what happens? Then does it all come rushing like the force of a wave and you never addressed it? That's the dangerous thing. So we have broken down things that he's gone through. I'm sure there's more. But see, he's with the right woman because Mm -hmm. I will be there for him. And I love the fact that you just went to a retreat. One of the things I want him to do, because we talk about what are you going to do when you're retiring, we have already went to the idea of who's taking care of each one of you. I I can be a life coach and a counselor, but I don't know what you've done. So, So you to come and talk to me, meaning all the other people that I'm not involved with, they're not going to let go and tell me, They will, however, if you stand up there, you show strength in talking, not weakness and letting go. They suddenly, as I'm sure you experienced, will, oh, well, you experienced the same thing that I did and and you're okay to talk about it? So I said, how about a retreat for first responders, for the police, for the fire? And you stand up and he's like, but Monica, I'm not like, I don't do life coaching. And I said, you don't have to. All you have to do is say, dude, and, you know, guys, girls, we're not okay. And this shit that we've seen and experienced, we got to talk about this. Or, as he has said, look into it. They retire and what happens? They become addicted to drugs, alcohol, they get divorced, and suicide. Mm-hmm. All things we're trying to prevent. Agreed. Exactly. Yeah, it's the, it, those become coping mechanisms for the larger problem. And then you, you also mix that with the idea that you've, you just lost your purpose. Yes. Right. And then you're not exposed. And one of the easiest things, and it sounds odd, and and I don't, I'm not an expert in mental health, but I can just speak from my experience. Sometimes the easiest thing to do with with dealing with trauma is to keep exposing yourself to trauma. Mm -hmm. And the military does that to you really well. Like Mm -hmm. when I was in Iraq, I, I remember having conversations with people that it was like, I know I've changed. I know I'm different. I know I'm not the same person, but I just don't know why. Mm -hmm. I don't know how. I don't understand that. And then when I got home, it became very evident 
oh, by the way, all of these things change. So when I think of, you know, law enforcement, like what your husband does, he's exposed to that every day, that, that, that heightened state of awareness, mm-hmm. that threat is constantly there. So you're going out and you're militarizing yourself every day, every yeah. day, every day. But that day that you shut that off, that's when it's going to come. Mm-hmm. That's when you're going to realize that, oh, shit. Now I've got this stuff to deal with, and I've got these things that I'm going to have to start working through because I can't cope with this by militarizing myself and by putting myself in harm's way. That's like when I first got out of service, and it kind of comes back to my thing of stopping to watch the news. um, When I first got out of service, I became really big into conspiracy theories (laughs) and like prepping, (laughs) and and it was so funny. I went so far down that hole. Like he did, literally, like just like chill shot out, it man. and went <laughs> just a little bit. And it was out. so bad. I was, it was, I was one hundred percent like talk radio conspiracy mm-hmm. theory. It was such an unhealthy place for me. But what I realized at the end is, all I was doing is trying to get back that purpose. Mm-hmm. I was trying to militarize myself again to give myself a purpose. You know, that's why I was buying the guns and I was loading up on the ammo and I was prepping and I was doing everything that I was doing because I just wanted to feel that sense of purpose again. Yep. And then when I had to realize that this is a very unhealthy activity for me. Yes. And so I had to unplug. It was like talk radio has got to go away. <laughs> I've got to just get rid of this stuff. I can't I can't live a healthy life yep. and be living in fear 24 mm-hmm. 7. I had to put myself into a different space and so here's what I think is incredible you just said something about purpose but if we go back half hour or so ago when I said do either one of you know what your purpose is and you say it is it is to help others that is not at all what it what you thought it was isn't it a beautiful transformation oh, absolutely yeah. Yeah. And, but Have you thought about your purpose yet? I'm right. On, we're, we, he and I fire on the same cylinder. So my answer was very, very similar, mm-hmm. but I've never been asked that question, mm-hmm. which is what came from the whew, like response. <laughs> that's a deep topic, you know, and at the end of the day, it's be a good human. Be yeah. a good human and the way I end the show, go out, be anything you want to be in the world. But before you be anything, please be kind. I ask people also when I can tell their body language and they're really, really shy and introverted and quiet and don't have any belief in themselves. I had a, a woman actually the other night and I said, do you think you inspire? Do you think you motivate? Do you think you can be a leader? And she's like, and I said, I know you don't because I can tell it. And I said, but you are. I have, a, I have a woman that's lost 78 pounds with me. She's on a mission for another 33 to get her under 200 for the first time since she was young. She was on, and she's been with me for a couple years. This particular person I'm talking about, she was in a private life session with me, and she goes, boy, I don't need to say her name. She said, this person, she's so inspiring. And I'm like, oh, and I wanted to cry. And I said, would you please do me a favor? Next time we get on actual class together, will you say that? Because I can say it as her coach, and she loves the fact that I believe in her and that I've told her she was beautiful. And the day I said that, she started crying, and I said, why are you crying? She's never been told she was beautiful in her life. In fact, an educator, when she was younger, told her she was fat, she was ugly, there's no way she was related to her siblings because she's nowhere near them, and that she'll never amount to anything. I mean, think about that as Mm -hmm. a teacher, that I don't want to ever say shame because I'm trying to get people away from saying shame on you, shame on you, but it's unfortunate because that person stunted her growth until— she got with this community, got with this group, and believed that she could be what she's always wanted. Now she's got this fire under her. Well, this new person meets her at that very given moment. So so you never know when you're meeting someone what point in that path. She meets her. She sees her as what? 
someone inspiring her, motivating her. And she's like, this person's inspired me. I'm like, oh, you got to tell her because she was told she was nothing. And now you're literally saying she's your role model. Oh, I just got chill. She yeah. said, <laughs> what? And I said, please, last night I said, do me a favor. Would you please tell me if it's okay? Tell her what you told me. And when she said it, she's like, I'm going to cry. And I said, there it is. This is why we do what we do, because that's a that's life changing, because you are everything you believe you are. Don't let anybody else have power over you. I mean, growing up in the 80s and 90s and the I'm going to say the first 10 years of the 2000s, I was always taught that firefighter, EMT, military and teacher were the most underrated. Un, they, they deserve a lot more credit than they, than they get. Mm -hmm. And there's always going to be a bad apple. And you can't let that one bad apple dictate yeah. how you feel about the entire population, period. And that that hits that that nail head on. Mm -hmm. I mean, that one teacher makes every other teacher, oh, what's this guy going to say about me next? Right. Or what's this person going to say about me? Well, we can all go back and look at teachers who have had a profound impact on our lives. And I will go back to a third grade teacher. I will go back to that professor that said, I knew you were going into this business. And I said, well, how did you know? Because I, sure, I was just taking it as an elective. Mm -hmm. And he said, I knew that you would change lives. And he said he followed my career. And I mean, what a beautiful thing. My third grade teacher, Mrs. Olish, music, because music is everything to me. I remember these people. I even remember the ones that I thought, oh, I don't really know. They're, they're kind of mean. I don't like them. And then I go back going, oh, you were making me tougher. You were, you were, you saw the possibilities in me. But anybody that's out there that's given the power to change a young child's life mentally, physically, spiritually, it's unfortunate that you would use your power to try to stunt their growth because yeah. that's what she well, did. You, you just gave me the greatest idea. And all I could think of while you've been talking is, you know, that'd be a great challenge, especially for the listeners out there. Challenge yourself with saying something good about someone else. Yep. Mm -hmm. Don't, you know, we always, at least I used to, and, and I'm not as guilty of it anymore, but I'm still guilty of it from time to time of, of judging people for whatever, you know, what vehicle they drive or whatever, you know, we're all guilty of that or like, why did you choose that outfit? Right. <laughs> um, but challenge yourself with finding somebody and then going up to them and paying them an actual compliment. Do you and, want story? I'll tell it. Is there do a story? It. Let's do, do it. it. Yeah. Well, because that's the one thing that I've always told people that go ahead and give somebody a compliment or an organic compliment. Like don't go in and buy clothes at a store and ask the person who's working oh, there because yeah. they're off commission and they're going to go, yeah, that looks great on you. And then somebody else that's a complete stranger should come by and go, no, it doesn't. Don't, don't wear that. Actually, maybe try this. Then you're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much because they have nothing to gain. They're just helping. Right. So I would always say, give somebody a compliment. I don't care if you say that shirt looks great on you. I like that hat on you. Oh my gosh, that really brings out your eyes. I've always I don't know if it was taught to me or if it's from my experience from 19 on to be more aware. I really believe that that experience living through the blood clot woke me up and made me say, this is the beginning of my life. So I had already lived 19 years and I lived a good life. But from 19 on, I woke up. So I was in radio and there was this person that, for, that forever would walk the hallways and I could see in the way she walked that she didn't want to be seen. Right. She wanted to put the mask on. So you well, she was camouflaged. But I would stop and say good morning. And I would hear a mm, like a, a mumble, never actual words spoken. And I would say it every day. And it was like I was on a mission to get her to raise her eyes off the ground, shoulders back, chest high and say hello. And so all of a sudden, one day I changed and said more than just hello. And I said, hello, good morning. That blue looks incredible on you. And I wonder why, if that's why I love blue to this day. And all of a sudden she looked up and she went, thank you. And I said, 
she speaks. And she just kind of did a little laugh. And then she put her head back down. And I said, well, have a good day as she walked away. Well, she came in the next day. And I said, good morning. And she looked straight in my eyes and she said, you saved my life. And I said, no, I just thought you looked beautiful and blue. And she goes, no, you saved my life because I was going home that day to commit suicide. Whew. I can't tell the story without crying. And I said, what? And she said, you saved my life, Monica. You saw me and no one's ever seen me before. And I said, what do you mean no one's ever? She goes, everyone I know thinks I'm ugly, that I don't belong in this world. And so I, th I thought I didn't. So subjective. I thought I didn't until you saw me. And I'm going to tell you today, she's the CEO of a bank. Good for her. That is amazing. <laughs> because she was seen. The power. Because of... there was kindness shown between two human beings. Exactly. That's what I was going to say, the power of being kind. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, another part of that, that story that I took away, too, is something that my wife had taught me, is how to compliment you know, when I, I was a typical man for most of my life, and she's been reforming me over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, I, it, like most men do, you walk up to a woman, and you go, oh, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. And she said, don't tell me I'm beautiful. What what did you like? Do you like my outfit? Mm -hmm. Do you do you like what I did? How did I dress? Or, or, you know, tell me something specific that shows that you pay attention. Right. And, man, that really, I, I grabbed hold of that, and I went, oh, yeah. That's different. <laughs> I should probably do that. Like, because if you're not paying attention, if it's not like, oh, I like the outfit that you're wearing today, mm -hmm. or I like what you did over there, or, you know, I feel you're talented because of this. Just yes. walking over and telling somebody, hey, you're pretty. Right. What does that mean? It's mm -hmm. like, thanks. God gave that to me. Great you genetics. Know? Yeah, great <laughs> genetics. Like, you know. Yeah, no different than a woman feeling like, okay, getting the cat call, right? Or the whistles, yeah. walking by. Okay, yeah, whatever, guys. It's like, Give us something. How are we changing the world? How are we impacting you? How did we make you feel about something? Did we just give you a chill of, are you proud of us for something that we did? Yes, mm -hmm. that will help relationships. But the same thing applies to us not saying, oh, you look hot, honey, or you're, you're handsome. Oh, I'm no, perfectly I'm... okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, object uh, you objectify me all day long. The best compliment okay, I, the I can. His ears rub the walls already. Please does don't. Not, How can you fit in the doorway? Does not, I, I push him every time. I, I have lived most of my life as a as an invisible, unattractive male. So, like, I mean, all, you're, you're still there. Let's I, not get it I, twisted. I just tell I just tell my wife. I said, just objectify me. We're good. Perfectly fine with that. When uh, when when you were talking about the you know the school teacher and everything too, I, I got to tell a story of one of my teachers in high school and how he impacted me. And he is, he's probably a bit taller than your husband, 280, power builder, massive man. And I was a class clown. I was a shithead. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't disrespectful. It was the first day in his class, and I was talking to a friend of mine. And he always stood at a podium, and he stood with authority, and I wouldn't pay attention. And he slammed that podium as hard as he could with his hand. He looked at me dead in the eye and goes, you will not survive in my classroom. Now, me being the size I am, when I was a lot smaller then, <laughs> I just turned around and shut up. <laughs> he ended up being my best friend. Yep. And, I, you know, I talked to him today huh. and i think that man i i can't say save my life but i spent a lot of time in his house and not partying and drinking and doing what mm. whatever and it's it's amazing how impactful you can be at that age and yes i don't think people realize that either no, he he taught you how important respect was mm -hmm. instantly. Right, right. So, oh, a big, <laughs> such a big guy. That's, yeah. So, Mr. Hanky, don't eat me. My science teacher in eighth grade, um, taller than Jim. You think he was? He was a big guy. Mm -hmm. Same thing. I was a class clown. My mom, yeah. my mom dealt it dealt with it with my oldest brother and me. She would get the phone calls. 
<laughs> Brian's talking or what? Wandering around class? Wandering around class, being the class clown. Monica is talking and making everybody laugh. My teacher, now, did you ever hear this? My teacher in second grade would put us underneath her desk. Yes. Well, who does that? But well, that was her way of like trying to humiliate us. I mean, she I'm surprised us, my first grade and third grade teacher didn't do that because they were hags. I'm sorry, I, but they I were not pleasant people. She put us under the desk. <laughs> I don't what, even know what, what to did say. I do. But I. But it, see, it, this, it's still, this would end up in a lawsuit today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, she put me under the desk, and then she she would she's like Mr. Rogers. She would change her shoes. Her shoes were underneath there, so I was playing with the shoes and acting like they were hilarious. You didn't. She didn't do anything. All it made me do was still be the class clown. Mm -hmm. But I still thank her because she put up with it. You guys. <laughs> became best of friends became didn't you best of, well, <laughs> but we became best of friends because of brian because he was in brother. second grade and he was the, the little class clown you know if it was one-on-one -on -one with teacher he was great and then another but when he was on his own to sit down and stay what that, that boring yep. and then he'd run around and do different things so she would have him call me almost every day Hello, Mom. And I go, yeah, Brian, what is it? Mrs. Corbis Meyer wanted me to call you. I go, why? Well, I was bad, or I did this, or did what? I go, well, Brian, you know better, you know. So this was almost every day. Uh -huh. And I go, oh, my gosh. Brian. But, you know, that was terrible. I said, he would kind of like, not, he wasn't bad, but he was, she called him a traveler. He would get up and, because he was just bored with what was going on. They didn't talk about it back then, but that no. absolutely now would be labeled as? ADHD. ADHD. Correct. I'm in that category. Okay, but guess what? That. The most powerful interview that I did, well, there's a lot of them, but the, in my beginning years was with the author of a book, Right Brain Children oh, yeah, in a Left Brain that. World. And it's all about teaching. And it's you put them in a classroom with 35, 40 people with yes. one teacher, right. and they're bored. They, I already got that, so I'm not going to be listening anymore. Mm -hmm. And so they act out. Because they're bored yeah. and they're so quick to throw Ritalin into them and make them little zombies instead of maybe if we teach them in a different way and we put them in a smaller group, they'll, wow. Yeah, because he was great in a smaller group mm -hmm. or one-on-one. -on -one. But you yeah. have to take the time and actually well, My parents always said I was borderline ADHD and they almost put me down the medical train. Mm -hmm. And when I graduated high school, went to college, I was a straight A, like 4.0 straight A student because I was not bored and I had like I was just focused challenged and yeah. in school I was just bored yes well yeah. see that comes back to something I've said before in previous podcasts but it's like ADHD is a survival trait if we are going to be living out in the woods as a tribe but this is something that we need mm -hmm. I don't want somebody just going to be able to sit down and sit still and not go do anything and just listen you know mm -hmm. no you need to be active you need to be up you need to be moving you know we have we're creating and we have, we're not creating, we have created a society that really is functioning on on a level to where it's no longer biologically compatible. Mm -hmm. You're right? right. The things and the traits that we admire and we say, this makes you a good member of society. Yes, but society was to collapse tomorrow. I don't want these members in my group. Like, I want a different tribe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is a real problem. And it's like, why are we... It's it's taking thousands and thousands of years of, of of survival and training and instincts to get us to this point, and then all of a sudden, in the last you know fifty years, we're just gonna throw it all out the window right. because we don't need that anymore. Right. And I don't know, man. That's a that's a thing. It's a slippery slope. 
Right. It well, is. it goes to like the mindset of when you're in school and you're like, who am I going to pick to be on my team? Well, oh. who's the strongest? Who's, yep. you know, it depends. But I definitely don't want the mindset of an entitled nation that doesn't want to do the work. Agreed. I would never pick you to be on my team. Yeah. I want the blood, sweat, and tears. You're going to go through war with. If we're me. going to war, we're going to war. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I tell you what, when we talk about fitness, and I'm going to mention this because it was a cop, it was a conversation at our kitchen table the other night. Um, both of my children, all well, all three of my children now are in high school, mm-hmm. and um, the size of high schoolers and the physical makeup of high schoolers has completely changed. Because yes. my youngest, who is uh, 14, and he's not a, a small kid by any means. I don't want to pick on him. He's taller than me, and he's a decent sized kid. But he had made mention that he's like one of the biggest kids in school, mm. and I'm like, and where? <laughs> And he's and he's like, he just started high school and he's like, oh, I'm one of the biggest kids in my class. And I'm thinking, okay, well, let's stop this for a second because when I graduated high school, I was five seven and about 185 pounds. And I would have been considered small. Mm-hmm. Like I would have I was one of the smallest guys in school. Like I, you know, short of just getting picked on, like I wasn't considered a big guy at all. Right. You know, most of the guys that were in the senior class, they looked like they were 35 and they could just go <laughs> yeah, buy beer yeah. with no ID. <laughs> you know, like but we, as as you look around now, and all of these kids, they're not active. Mm-hmm. They're they're yeah. sitting at home. They're playing video games. Mm-hmm. They're not engaged. They're not doing anything. And so now, a kid that is five foot eight and one hundred and twenty five pounds is considered a good sized kid. And it's like, in what world? Right. What what's going to happen yeah. to these future generations as they get out into the world? Like, th- there seems to be. I I don't know. I find it concerning. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. It it just seems like we're starting to lose some of these things that are important. These are our future leaders. These are our future leaders. And I don't want to, you know, I I think it's too often that we are looking at the younger generation and you're like, holy cow. Uh, (laughs) But, but there's a percentage. It's a smaller percentage, though, that will buck that trend. And they're like, well, hey, hang on. Like, we're out here. Yes, I agree. But it's unfortunate that it's a smaller percentage of right. that. Have you all, I have to say this because we said it on the show. Have you all picked up on this? This is happening our younger generation. So if I say thank you to you, what is the words back that you would give me? You're welcome. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. No, that's not what they're saying anymore. Uh-oh. So my husband picked up on it. We went to a restaurant, one of our favorite restaurants. And then I did it the very next day. I went to just like a, a, um, a, a casual, healthy, fast food kind of a thing. And it was the same comment by two different people in two completely different... My pleasure. No. Nope. Well, that, it would be okay. Yeah. Just yeah? Oh, you... Oh. That's so disrespectful. Pay attention. Yes. It's everywhere now. Now that I've said it, watch and Man, please he just ruined me. You me. Just, <laughs> so I thought it was just my 17-year-old because he's a punk. Is he saying it? Oh, he says yeah all the time. So, but it's that is, but that's the response to thank you. Thank so he, so she came over to fill water at a nice restaurant, and he said thank you, and she said yeah, kind of valley girlish, yeah. And he goes, did she just say yeah to me? And I go, yes, <laughs> that was your welcome. And so then the next day, I might think it was like it crazy bowls and wraps or something i get done and somebody i said thank you yeah i said oh my gosh it's a thing and so sure enough one of my best friends asked her son who is 15 now almost 16 or no 16 get, going to be 16 and she said huh because i was talking about it on the show and she said what do you say when someone says thank you to you and he said yeah she goes you you what you do not i raised you better and i said told you it's a thing it's a thing with the younger generation but i need to know why I have two little girls, nine and eleven. I'm going to go home ask tonight, them, and I'm going to ask them. Yes, and I don't know if it's just 
well, beyond the 9-11? I don't know where. I don't know, but I definitely know I'm it is a younger generation. They are very yes, ma'am, yes, sir. So I'm really hoping they say, <laughs> you're welcome. Yes. yes. We're normalizing certain behaviors that are starting because of the technology. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how they communicate with each other when they're online playing games. Correct. This is how they're communicating through social media. We have this attention issue with TikTok and everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you get, how do you teach? One of the things, that's so why I teach at the college. I teach at Central Methodist University. And one of the biggest problems that we've been having is how do I, now I'm an adult education program, but even when I teach seated classes, a seated class is 50 minutes and then adult education classes can be up to four hours depending on what, what the format is for the class. But one of the biggest things that we have been talking about for the last three years is how do you continue to teach students who have an ever increasing shortening time, you know, time span for paying attention? Mm -hmm. Because now they're being taught that they can pay attention for 90 seconds. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a far cry from 50 minutes. How can I engage you and get your attention to be able to teach you information over a long term when you can't hold most people's attention for more than 10 to 15 minutes? Mm -hmm. And within 15 minutes, they're out the door. And it's like you get into the working environment. Now, all of a sudden, I got to pay attention for eight hours. Right. Mm. Where this is not transferable. I went to a conference and I thought I was like, oh, my gosh, he nailed it. He said, we're in the it society. And I was like, it, immediate it. Everybody wants everything immediate. Oh. And he said, especially the younger generation, you're going to watch. They do not want to have a conversation. They don't want to have to listen. They <clears> surely <throat> don't want to work. And and I, I heard a study within the last week and a half. I was listening, driving in. I will try to listen to some news. I do respect KMOX, so I'll listen to them as I'm driving in to, to do the show or to, to train my clients just to grab some things that I think would be important news you can use that won't be polarizing. And I heard them say the retail, the the younger generation doing retail, what do you think their quitting rate is, time frame? Oh, I'm sure there's massive turnover. But what? give me a time frame. When do you think they're quitting? 72 hours. So it's not that fast. But I was saying less than 30 days. Two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Two weeks because they said, well, this is too hard. I can't do this. Retail. 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 That's the easiest... Respectfully, and you should have fun with it, right? Nope. And I thought, oh my gosh, that was good. That came straight actually from CBS News saying that they are quitting within two weeks, saying this is too much work. But that's the foundation of like working at a retail or a fast food to, that gives you your work ethic and yeah. get yes. into the motion of the real world to. to open your eyes to what's bigger and better out there. Well, it and was eye opening. <laughs> if you're struggling there, oh, you're gonna have a hard, hard yeah. adulthood. Well, I'm sorry, it, it right. speaks to good luck, it speaks to personal responsibility because I think that the because I don't want to crap all over the younger generation. A lot of this is no fault of their own. A lot of this is just poor leadership. You say parenting. And parenting Parenting and poor education. Right, and and education and poor leadership. But one of the things that they are getting is we are starting to become emotionally more aware world, and and emotional intelligence is is improving aside from the lack Mm -hmm. of communication. Mm -hmm. I think we should bring language back. Mm -hmm. That would be something really good. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, people don't have a vocabulary anymore, and it's, it's getting worse and worse by the day. Um, but hopefully when they come out of these, the, the schools and they get out into the working world, the, at least they're in an, in, a, in an age to where through technology, the same technology that's causing all the problems, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. is where you find platforms like this podcast. Right. It's where you find platforms like your podcast and the information for them to grow and develop and to become better, right? It's just sad that they're not getting this for the first 
15, 16 years of their life, and they're already developing this terrible pattern and habit that they're going to have to correct as adults. Well, the problem is, is the TikTok nation and wherever it's going to go from here, because what it's given them is following. And then they get this influencer. And then they think, well, I don't have to work. I mean, there's so many people where I'm meeting them. I'm like, what does your son do? Well, he make, he's, makes money. He's an influencer. And I YouTube go, influencer. Yes. That's the hot thing right now. Right? YouTube, Good TikTok, luck. all of it. That, But that's where I think their growth is stunted because they're thinking, I don't need to go to school. I can drop out and I don't need to listen to anybody because I'm making money. They're being given power. And that's a very dangerous thing. No, and attention is a dangerous thing mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's why what we said earlier, it's like, you, what it, what is your value? Your value is what can you do to help others? Right. And then we see so many people abusing the attention. You know, you, I'm going to pick on Kim Kardashian, right? Mm-hmm. But how many how many young people have committed suicide as a result of her attention? Mm-hmm. And that is what the problem is. Well, you got to think deeper than that too on her end is how many guys are like, oh, you're so beautiful, you're this, you're that, and she's at this stage, she's probably like, meh, I've heard it all. You take the, the intimacy out of someone saying, you know what, like you were saying, I like what you do with your eye, you know, like mm-hmm. your hair or your whatever. Mm-hmm. She's heard it all every single day mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. So she's just a brick wall on any kind of compliment because she's already heard it. So what's the what's the benefit of being complimented if you've heard it a thousand times, millions of times, actually? Well, that's where it gives me hope, though. I feel like we're in the... Well, I, I really do feel like we are at the beginning of a great awakening. Yeah. I feel like people are starting to open up their eyes. They're starting to reject the status quo. Mm-hmm. They're saying, no, I don't want this anymore. This is shallow. Mm-hmm. It's empty. Mm-hmm. It's not producing results that I want. And they're starting to have this awakening where people are embracing more of the spirituality. Right. They're they're embracing loving each other. They're, they're trying to learn to better themselves, personal development and self-improvement. Mm-hmm. You know, we're starting to see all of these things on the rise. And the more that that comes on the rise, the more that you see people rejecting the status quo. They're rejecting the illegitimate legislation. They're rejecting the, the media. They're rejecting all of this bad information. And they're saying, no, I've had enough. Right. And that gives me a lot of hope because I actually think that the future is quite bright. Yeah, I think it can be because I think finally people have found their voice. They had they were forced to communicate. They couldn't go out for three years from 2020 to 2023. They had to speak. Otherwise, you would just sit there on a blank screen just staring at each other. Yep. We had happy hours together. We had classes that your kids were learning through a screen. Yeah. And some of it was very, very difficult for them. They struggled through it. But they had they but what what happened they came out stronger afterwards like okay I, I feel like I was held back by about a year so now I'm it's even harder for me to try to rise above and get where I need to go but it gave everybody a voice I'm going to communicate I have to communicate it also gave us the okay to say mental health is a real thing yeah. and that you know and it, it, that's why it was interesting because we had started talking about it prior to it happening it was almost eerie as if again, divine intervention, I started that triangle of life before 2020 happened. And then all of a sudden it became, wow, I was talking about this to my clients and giving them the voice to say, it's okay, let's talk about this. You're going to grow if you say, these are the things, like you said when you were nine, this this is it, timeline therapy. Go back to that moment. We've got to dip our toe back into the past to... Embrace what happened. Open that box. Let go of it. Yep. Don't give power to the circumstance or the person who took you through it. Let's go through it. Let's release it. 
and let's grow. And and we started doing that. And all of a sudden, 2020 happens, and the world shuts down. People are losing their businesses. We can't go and stand by a person who's dying. I mean, horrible things came out of that, yes. But but if that's all we're doing is looking at the horrible things, we will forever be depressed and never have hope. Instead, it is what good came out of that? Let's start looking at those things and let's start journaling those and writing those things down. Because, no, we can't take back that people weren't in the hospital rooms for death or births. There were small businesses that tried to do everything they could and some shut down. Some have tried to reopen. Those are, those are the horrible stories. But then it is, but did we find kindness with each other? Did we start talking to people that we wouldn't have talked to before? Did we start saying, oh, you're not okay? Well, neither am I. Can we talk about this? And suddenly it was a beautiful thing to start. Gosh, the whole world kind of does thread itself together. So just because you look different than I do and we wouldn't have talked in the past, now we're actually coming together at the same table saying, well, we all have the common bond. And that is what I think has been beautiful over the last three years. People are becoming good humans again. Hey, mm. Absolutely. And, it, and it's about finding alignment. Yes. It's absolutely. about finding alignment. Uh, you know, Will from the Grunt Style Foundation, he's, mm -hmm. he calls it the web of weird. He says, you just got to <laughs> find people that you're kind of weird, and then you just align with them. And he says, beautiful things happen. And I was like, absolutely. That is so true. That. Yeah. Will and Drew, great men. I, I have 100%. been embracing the web of weird, man. But we are definitely the same weird. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, Man, I am so glad that you came out and Thank joined you. us today. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, I'm beyond grateful. I, I knew when I met you at the event, you know, just in the short time that we talked, I was like, oh, hey, we're, we're, we got a lot going on here, mm -hmm. you know, because when you said that in the event, you said I'm going to be a good human. Yes. And I went, oh, you stole the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> That's our motto. So uh, as we wrap up here, do you have anything that you would like to say to the audience? You want to plug any of your stuff or uh, sure. tell people how to get to where you're at? Absolutely. So you can go to the real Monica adams.com and that tells the story of why i mean it goes a little bit deeper into the personal side and she's got there's a video of, of my mom and i sitting there together and and talking about what her hope and my father's hope always was for me I and mean, it really was all of this like go out and do whatever you want to do monica but you know thank thankfully that you, you listen to us really driving into your soul of always be kind, be a kind human being. You'll get, you'll get ahead in life so much on so many levels in your relationships and what you want to do in business and every aspect of what you really want. If you, if you just are kind and, and, and generous with your soul. And so I had listened to that. I watched her do that. I watched my father do that. And I knew I was going to carry that forward. So, so that, that's the whole premise of the show. I hope you watch the show. I want you guys, I mentioned to you that day, I want you to come on mine. Oh, absolutely. So consider it done. Yes. So it's a beautiful. Now, is it video? It, yes. Oh, so I'm going to have to be on camera? Yes. Okay, we'll figure that out. I'll, I'll get a girl to get a filter for all right. they, You're going to get somebody to put makeup on me so I look all... I, I want to leak at least 10 years younger. Well, we can use filters. No, oh, yeah. okay. no, I'm yeah. real. I think okay. that'd be real. Okay. I have come to people in the middle of the evening when a storm came. That's, they, they all said this is one of their favorites. I'm like, nobody does it, I said, until I did. And now, see, it became women. Tear it off, right? Absolutely. Yes, sure. It's a beautiful thing for a guy to go, oh, wow, you look really pretty. As she said, but give give us more. But is there a natural beauty because your heart is kind? So I think that my husband will say, oh, I think you're beautiful. But I think he would more say, gosh, I just am so proud of her, of what she's doing for the world because she generally wants the world to heal. But then I can put the makeup on and put the and, and, and do the hair and put a gown on. And But I also will come to you in a closet with my dogs who are scared in my pajamas with no makeup on. That was huge. And people were like, what you doing? I'm like, get your pajamas on. Let's all get together. Let's just talk. <laughs> we're going to be here for a while because 
everything's probably shutting down except for our phones. Let's talk on the phone. And the dogs are in the closet, right? Your kids are probably coming in the closet. Let's all bond together. It was a really fun day. But that's what you're going to get out of me. Goofball, changing the world, serious, impactful interviews. So it's Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. on YouTube, on Facebook. And then on Thursdays, we drop a new show on the on all the audio podcast platforms. So a lot of those impactful shows people see, we'll package up and they'll see them maybe two, three, four weeks later. Um, still personal training. Love it. Don't know that I'll ever walk away from it because I love helping the triangle, changing the lives mentally, physically, spiritually. Um, I've always been into fashion. I've, I've been a uh, design and wardrobe consultant for men for many, many years. And then we started doing custom work for women. So I do all of those still, wear a lot of hats, and then motivational speaking, emceeing, and auctioneering. But you can find all of that, book us, whatever, at therealmonicaadams.com. Awesome. awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, when we have you back on the podcast, I want to talk more about fitness mm -hmm. and I definitely want to talk more about fashion and I happen, auctioneering. I happen to be quite into men's fashion. You've got to come so see me. I would love to to just pick your brain and talk to you about that. I think it'd be a good thing for the audience yes. too. Uh, a lot of men out there. That is like the, uh, that is a topic we haven't really gone. It, over. It, it, it really oh, isn't. And favorite. it's one, that, it's one that I'm <laughs> really <laughs> steeped into. We'll, but, we'll table it and save it for her then. Oh, hundred percent. I'm, I'm intrigued. We'll have you back on here. We'll talk about, men's fashion because i think that that is the one area that uh is not covered for men very i often. think you all have gotten so much better though i i got into it when i was younger my mom was a seamstress the first person i dressed was my father when i was younger and i was always enamored with again possibilities transformations i love makeover shows my husband always says uh okay monica what do you want to put on me i am not your human ken doll <laughs> But you really are, just saying. Exactly. You don't have a little choice. Bit. You should just There's a that. ring. You're trapped. Maybe when I come back on and do fashion, maybe he'll join me. And he'll oh, tell the story. That look you know what we, you know what we could do? Promising. You know what we could do is we could do a uh, dress up. You could dress everyone. I would love that. And then oh, we could yeah. wear your fashion okay. choices for the show. And then we'll make sure I'm we got game. video by then. We'll take all the yes, photos. You have to. Yeah, if you're we'll, gonna do a fashion show, they have to see it. We'll get it squared away. We're yeah, working on it. Okay. We got We're big guy sizes. On. I mean, this is gonna get interesting. It'll right be right. You'll be fine. The, ca the captain's yeah. on board. Medium. Let me uh let me go ahead and just thank you again for coming out. And I want to tell you you're a beautiful soul. Thank you. Yeah, and agreed. you have such a beautiful family. I've enjoyed our time here today, and uh, this has been a real blessing, and I'm grateful yeah. for this. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you for asking. All right, so if you're still out there listening in Stoned Apes Nation, I want you to do me a favor and go ahead and hit subscribe, and then click that notification bell so that you don't miss future episodes. We drop all of our episodes on Friday by 420. At least that's the goal. And uh, and you need to come check us out and we'll be here. So well, let's take a second and thank our sponsors. I want to thank Malevolent Art Tattoo Studio out of Barnhart, Missouri. That is our man, Anthony Ferguson, over there. If you guys are in the market for a new tattoo, do me a favor and go over there and see my man, Anthony. He is an excellent artist. His line work, his color saturation, and his artistic ability is next to none. He's got an artist, uh, a studio full of artists. And go over there and check him out especially if it's your first tattoo. It's a clean studio. They're professional, and they will help you through the entire experience from beginning to end, and you will not regret it. Mention the Stone Dates podcast, and you will get $50 off of any booked appointment. Our next sponsor is Strategic Stitch. They are out of Arnold, Missouri. Strategic Stitch is the one that does our dropship for the Stone Apes, so make sure to check out our website. You will see some apparel starting to launch there, and they do a fantastic job. They specialize 
specialize in DTF technology and embroidery. And one of the reasons that we chose Strategic Stitch is because it costs a lot to get out there and to purchase merchandise. More Usually they have minimum orders and you have to drop a bunch of money up front. What Strategic Stitch allows us to do with the DTF technology is that we can print one-offs, two-offs, small quantity batches and that just makes it so much more affordable to be able to get into the other advantage with dtf is that it wears so much better than silk screening and it feels exactly like silk screening because the ink actually dies into the shirt so they do embroidery they do mobile laser engraving uh, check out their instagram page you'll see a selection of all the wonderful hats and stuff that they're doing they even have these leather patches that they mobile laser engrave and then they then they put on the hats it's absolutely fantastic if you reach out to them, their information is in our description. Make sure that you mention the Stone Dates podcast and you will get 10% off. So for this episode of the Stone Dates podcast, we appreciate each and every single one of our listeners. Thank you again, Monica, for joining us. Thank you, Mom, for joining us. It was absolutely fantastic. Absolutely. Thank you. And the Stone Apes are out.